I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David, and this is your new episode of Baselayer. I have Robbie Ferguson, the co-founder of Immutable, with me today. Robbie, how are you? Great, David. Good to be here. So excited about this. As a gamer myself, I think I've spent the last six plus years saying that gaming is a frontier of Web3 and digital assets. For too long, the 3 billion gamers out there have not actually participated in ownership. They have been leasing and renting these assets. If you are familiar with the likes of Fortnite and others out there, Hundreds of millions and billions of dollars and spent on skins where these players don't own them. Just about two weeks ago, there was a huge event called the Big Bang where 100 million plus new uh, gamers came on and bought skins for M&M and they don't own those. It's epic. So this is something that is very near and dear to me. What Robbie and Immutable are doing is incredibly important. A disclaimer, and of course, we'll always put that on the beginning of our show. Arca is actually an investor in Immutable. And so... Just as anyone, you know, we want to make sure that we throw that out there and make sure that we are happy with that. Um, and we're going to talk about why, you know, in a sense, why this is such a big thing for us. Robbie, what we like to do on the show very quickly, again, is just give our founders a minute here just to talk about what they did before this. And then we're going to get right into it. And just so everyone who's listening, it's going to start a little bit one-on-one, but we're going to go deep into why Immutable is becoming such a hub for the world of gaming and digital assets and Web3. But Robbie, just very quickly, what did you do before this? And then we're going to go right into Immutable. Absolutely. Uh, so before this, uh, I spent the last decade building startups as a software engineer and initially taught myself how to code. Um, I was a massive gamer growing up as well. So I actually started by building a League of Legends betting platform where you could automatically wager on your own matches. After that, we built a Shopify competitor which automatically use machine learning to optimize your store based on pricing and copy to make it the most converting homepage possible. And after that, I got into crypto. So I got into Bitcoin in late 2014, Ethereum in 2015, and became pretty obsessed. And we started building trading bots for a few years uh, while I was still at university. And then we decided to build uh, Immutable when we saw the first ever NFT come out in mid-17 in the form of effectively a crypto punk. And we saw this and we said, this will be the first breakout category of Web3 because it takes something that gamers already want to do, which is buying in-game items, and it adds a direct value proposition on it. It didn't have this speculative use case. And so we actually started by building the first ever multiplayer blockchain game. Uh, it was all on-chain, uh, which is now back in vogue in, in some ways. And it was essentially a, a battling game with robots with all of the logic being encoded into smart contracts. And that went viral, and, and that's how we you know, started the company more broadly, raised some money off Coinbase in that first ever venture check. Uh, and, and now we're obviously here today. Um, yeah. so that, that's sort of what I, what I did before this. And I was studying more at computer science at, at university uh, when I built EtherBots, but I, I dropped out to found a beautiful. 
That's why I tell my kids, you know, if they you know, are playing Fortnite and they're playing Call of Duty, I'm like, why don't you just figure out how to make them better? Because then you can become Robbie. You see what happens? You know, tell your kids it's not bad to be a gamer, but try to make them think a, bit, a little bit further down the road and see how they can innovate that because that's important. That's how people like Robbie come about. So immutable, immutable is what we consider a layer two scaling solution. It is focused on gaming. As I said, we're going to go one-on-one and then we're going to go deep into some of the things here. They've also, it happens to be that we're recording tomorrow with Mark Boron from Polygon. And there's a nice relationship awesome. there with, uh, with everything that's happening with you guys and with Polygon. So I want to drop into it. As I said, we're going to go easy and then we're going to go a little bit further into it. So one of the things that you know is important is that in the world of gaming, especially with Web3, there's a lot of things happening on different blockchains. There's things happening on Ethereum. There's things happening on Solana. There are things happening on Flow. There are things happening on Avalanche. What has always been missing, though, is this idea of interoperability, being able to go and play different games and be able to really just move around in a universal capacity. And you guys recently dropped something called Passport. This, I think, has got huge potential. It's basically very similar to what traditional gamers know as something like Steam, where you have this massive catalog of games, and it appears to create this really amazing interoperability layer where you can go to all these different games, all of your wallets, all of your blockchain stuff is effectively in the background, and you just play. And that has been something that has really kind of slowed down the evolution of gaming in Web3, in my opinion, is that we have forced the user to kind of go into wallets and do seed phrases and do all this stuff. And now with Passport, with what you guys have introduced, you just play. So the question is, is what is the roadmap for games in 24 as we are starting to see some of these games have been able to raise money over 21, over 22? Mm. What do you think is going to be the roadmap for 24? And I think you guys recently just highlighted that there are 200 highly funded games building on Immutable. Talk about that. Yeah, now 250. I, we, we onboarded 20 more in the last two weeks. So things are kind of exploding. Damn, my uh, information is old. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we, we we definitely, I think, are seeing a higher number of games get funded now by about 5x than what was happening two months ago. And that's just the result of the token prices in, in games becoming more attractive. A lot of these early stage equity with token warrants or token investments. Uh, what we're also seeing, though, is that the majority of the games that have been invested in two or three years ago will be going live in 2024. Really from, I think... Uh, end of Q1 to the rest of the year, we're going to see 50 to 70 high-quality games go live with tens of billions of dollars of funding or more. Um, I think we've tracked that many just on the Mutables platform alone. Now, there's going to be a high failure rate. Gaming is already power-law-driven. The biggest games in the world make more money than the entire long tail combined. But what we will see is just a single hit will be a huge inflection event. We've already seen this with every shift in gaming so far. The first social breakout game that leveraged Facebook's social graph spawned hundreds of copycats. The first ever mobile success game defined what mobile success could be. And then you have things like Gacha emerge. And now, you know, Gacha is something that any developer can easily clone and start to build their own game of. Uh, same for free to play, catching on. And so it typically follows this, you know, uh, curve where you have a lot of people building 
And as soon as you have this first hit, you have this massive inflection point from there. Now, I think the good news is Web3 gaming is far more funded than pretty much any other category in uh, Web3, mm-hmm. and also certainly more than any other shift in gaming. We've had 15 billion plus US invested in the last three years. And that's going to mean that there are a ton of high quality developers, but also that we're going to see games approaching the fidelity of Web2. I mean, we have Ubisoft uh, building in this space with, with Immutable. You have some of the biggest developers in Korea building high quality experiences. You have games like Alluvian, where they have nine figures in funding, that they've made that much in revenue in the last 18 months, and they're building from more of a web free native angle, that they certainly have the firepower to go up against, you know, some of the web two giants. Um, so we're we're really excited. There's going to be hits in, in 2024 with, with certainly uh, millions, if not tens of millions of daily active players. And it's a question of let's make sure the infrastructure to use these games is completely invisible because the players mm-hmm. cannot even have to be forced to onboard. That brings us to the point. Why is Immutable becoming the destination? Well, you know, I think this is a few things. Uh, obviously, there's just resourcing and our focus, which I think is actually a lot. And the reason we were able to compete even three years ago without anywhere near the funding we had today, without anywhere near the funding the giant L1s that the world had that we were competing with, is every major blockchain rotated into gaming once it became attractive. They said, this is clearly an important consumer narrative to win. This is clearly where the next 100 million users are going to come from. So we better win it. But just throwing money at something and not having the DNA of your company built around it is very difficult to succeed, especially in a competitive environment. Immutable has been 100% solely focused on gaming for six years. Our entire product stack is built towards servicing games. That's things like our global order book to maximize player liquidity, enforceable royalties that actually give games the secondary market fees allow these new, more aligned business models. We build games internally, so we know what it's like to work with Apple, with iOS. Uh, recently, we had this whole thing wrangling with the Epic Store to, to get a, a lot of this work greenlisted, which was you know a really successful outcome. And so I think that credibility and focus is the number one thing. Games know our product roadmap is going to be entirely focused on servicing games as a use case. We are going to have the rest of the essentially product roadmap that we're building focused on making their volume, their revenue, their user experience better. And then the other thing I would say is obviously well well resourced. And so we you know we've got uh, close to $250 million um, between you know immutable and, and then the foundation that issued IMX the token, um, which is uh, focusing on the immutable ecosystem. And on top of that, roughly three billion US dollars in tokens that have been not spent ready to grow the immutable ecosystem. Right. And so we, we, we're well-resourced from that angle. The third thing I would say, though, is we actually focus a lot on how do we make these games successful through partner success, through equipping them with everything they need from marketing perspectives. Uh, and, and that's what we want to focus on games that are going to be massively successful and help them win even more. Um, so I think those are a few of the reasons. And maybe now that the main one is People see where the gravity is going and they want to be where all the other games are launching because that's where the user funds and world liquidity is going to be. Makes sense. So you alluded to the Epic Games issue. This is related to one of the games called Gods Unchained. For those that are listening, we'll put notes to all these different things, but you can actually play Gods Unchained now. And this is also another important thing. 
these games are playable at this point in time. And Robbie just alluded to there's going to be about 250 new games coming on. You you can actually play these now. And I would be pointing to my mobile phone. 2024 is also going to be the year potentially of mobile advancements. You're going to be able to start playing these on mobile devices now too. A lot of really interesting things here. But what happened with Epic? And then how are you just able to get them back all of a sudden? Uh, look, I, I won't take the full credit. There are many people working with the Epic Store on, on, on this front, including people like Alluvium, et cetera. Um, I think what the reality of this was, is actually wasn't a really an active decision by Epic. ESRB, which is the ratings agency for games, automatically applies an adults-only rating to any game which gives out uh, real money. Uh, so, aka Web3 in-game NFT rewards. And Epic, by default, programmatically delists any game with an adults-only rating. So what they had to do is they had to make an exception, uh, which they just announced 48 hours ago, where if your game would have received a non-adults-only rating, but for the fact it's Web3, they'll make an exception and allow you into the Epic Store. Um, and so that saw multiple Web3 games get relisted, and I think it's given a lot of assurances around future Web3 games wanting to get distributed through, through Epic Store. Got it. So moving from that, and that's... Fantastic news, by the way. Epic Games is, again, if you know it, if you don't know it, then look up Fortnite and then you go right to Epic Games. And my kids do that all the time. So it is a massive place for, you know, for games and to have Gods Unchained there gives you hundreds of millions of eyeballs. So very important for that. One of the things that also just recently happened, there was some uh, work with Merit Circle that I know you all wanted to talk about. So tell us about what happened with Merit Circle. Yeah, look, I think Merit Circle is another fantastic example of, you know, the the deal we did with Polygon at the start of the year, Polygon at the end of last year was our number one competitor. We we both had roughly 35% market share for where it through games. Polygon is this, you know, uh, uh, enormous uh, brand and, and we had this web through gaming focused platform. And we decided, well, why don't we just partner? Why don't we join forces? The number one web through gaming platform in the world, the number one scaling protocol in the world to form this default home for gamers. And since then, you know, our win rates, I, I, the last I checked, our competitive win rate was 83%. So when we know where the game's going, it's uh, they're, they're coming to a middle of 83% of the time, which is pretty insane. Uh, we estimate our market share at around 70%. So that is a doubling effectively since the start of the year. Certainly, we were around 90 games in February, March, uh, when we announced the Polygon partnership. We're now over 250. And these are well-funded, managed games that we specifically set these devs to go after, not the long tail of anyone deciding to build on the platform or, you know, really small indie devs. And so with Merit Circle, it was a very similar thing where, you know, I think we, we've been competing in market for, for no real reason. They're building this exceptional infrastructure for games. And we saw an opportunity for, again, the number one Web3 gaming platform immutable to partner with the largest Web3 gaming DAO in the world. I think they have $100 million of cash, now multi-billion dollar native token treasury, and just simplify the user experience and the developer experience so that when developers are choosing where to build, they don't have to choose between a million blockchains, a million platform infrastructure pieces. It's a very simplified way. Um, and so I think this is a very healthy form, effectively, of a partnership where we're reducing complexity, we're reducing costs, and we're massively improving the, the product that end players get to, to experience because they're an incredibly focused uh, team in terms of gaming, they're building uh, really advanced marketplace infrastructure, community infrastructure, primary sales infrastructure. They obviously have the, the full beam stack and this enormous uh, ecosystem and community as well. 
So the last thing that I wanted to talk about with you, uh, and I could probably talk to you for hours because gamer to gamer, it's always interesting to talk about the evolution and the the future of games. I don't even ask you if you've played the newest Call of Duty because I kind of played it and I think it kind of sucks, but whatever. We'll talk about that another time. Um, Wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of boring. Um, I, yeah, look, I've been, I've been playing a bit. And I, I think it's a fantastic example, right? Because your assets, your collectibles from Warzone 1 didn't transfer into Warzone 2. And I think exactly. it is, is once again, yeah. It's it's part of my language, not the smartest thing in the world. Anyway, we're going to try to fix that here. The last thing I want to talk about, this is where we get technical people, so don't worry. But there is something that, again, Robbie has alluded to, is that there was a partnership with Polygon. And this year, they have introduced something called ZK EVM. So Immutable ZK EVM is the first of its kind chain for games that offer EVM compatibility. Again, that's the Ethereum virtual machine. That's very important. It's where a lot of the state is held. You got to plug into that so just so you can understand it. Low cost, massive scale, and Ethereum security. Again, security is incredibly important. You know, hacks have been prevalent. We need to have a good security framework uh, for Web3 and digital assets to continue going forward. The most cutting edge technology in gaming with the largest ecosystem in Web3. Now, there are some things that are very important here. Supports custom smart contracts, enables advanced tokenomic functionalities. I already talked about security, but then gas-free for gamers. This is important. Again, we have forced all of these people for so long to experience the very front uh, of kind of the technology, the, mm. the complication, the obfuscation, it, so much of the difficulties of interacting with these things because they are very technical complexities there. But that I think is incredibly important. Gas free for gamers. What does that mean for them when they're playing? And what does that mean when you actually enter in a game that's on Immutable that's using ZK EVM? Perfect question. So first off, Gas is essential. Gas is not an optional thing. It is how you sequence, prioritize, and prevent spam on networks and genuinely economically secure them. So it's not some optional thing where we can wave a magic wand and make it disappear. It has to be paid by someone. But what we've done is uh, we've enabled full gas sponsorship and abstraction so that a developer can pay for the user's gas on their behalf. They never have to require those funds. Why would they do this? Because... In many cases, this gas is going to be infinitesimal. It's going to be a very, very small fraction of the end costs. Immutable ZKVM is very performance. The gas cost for any trade or transfer, or even actions like fusing in game, which are going to be more gas intensive, is very, very little. And the act of a user even having to require a single cent of gas tokens, whatever it's going to be, you know, IMX or, or the native currency of the network, is a huge amount of friction relative to the economic cost. So it simply makes sense if they're going to lose 50% of their user conversions from purchasing in the first place because they, that user has to get gas to trade or transfer or fuse. Why not pay it on their behalf because that developer is making so much more money from that trade? And so we're literally allowing them to load up balances in uh, the immutable hub and that will automatically pay for... that. They can also set what transaction they want to pay for. If they really want to say... And we only want to pay for transactions above two dollars in value. They can do that, uh, and we're even rolling out this system where you can have the first X dollars of credits paid for by Immutable as well. Uh, so very similar to the AWS system. So we we help get these you know large indie games off the ground and people who otherwise would have these huge conversion uh, limiting impacts of users having to buy gas. So we're super excited about this. 
Um, it's going to be available if you're using the Google Passport, which is our wallet product. So there's nice vertical integration with the product suite. And again, as I alluded to, Passport, you know, for anyone who's trying to interact with these games, you don't know what you're doing. You can literally just go and just connect it to your web, your web to preference, your email, and you're off to the races. You don't have to do the whole seed phrase thing. You don't have to do all the download of the wallets. And you just go and you start playing. Like if you want to play Gods Unchained, you can literally just use Passport. It opens up. You'll see three or four games that you can play right off the bat. And you're off to the races. So things have really changed. Immutable has been a very big part of that. Robbie, it is great to hear about all the things that are happening there. As I said, again, we're, you know, it is great to be able to see the evolution of gaming and how important Immutable has been to that. I know there's a lot going on in 24, so you bet you're going to have you on again. So don't go hiding down in Australia and wherever you are. I know you're down there and it's going to take me about 36 hours to fly down to find you. But, you know, we're going to catch up with you again because there's a lot going on down there. Thank you for obviously spending some time with us, you know, towards the end of the year here. And uh, again, we'll make sure everyone knows what's happening there. Uh, Pleasure, David. Always, always fun. Thanks for listening in to Base Layer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.